When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SEN. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Julian DeStoot with you on a slightly overcast uh, Melbourne morning, but uh, still nice and warm. So if you're going to watch the tennis at Kuyong or down to watch the Oz Open qualifiers, which is getting right down to the business end now, pretty, pretty pleasant conditions. So speaking of the Australian Open, the draw for the Open will be conducted tonight. And on the men's side, Australia will have two seeded players, Alex Dimonor and Nick Kyrgios. The former's lead-up form has been impressive. Demonor secured his first win over Rafa Nadal in his career at the United Cup. He also beat Dominic Team at Kuyong. And today, he faces Sir Andy Murray. Now, Pat Cash, 1987 Wimbledon champion, of course, and uh, runner-up at the Australian Open in 1988, uh, spoke yesterday on Channel 7, and he likes what he's seeing from Alex Demonor. We'd be hopeful for him to be well and truly into the second week, um, and I think he, I think he does have a chance of doing that this year. Just a matter of time before Alex really cracks it through and makes gets through to the next the next level. Well, it's a different story though for Nick Kyrgios in terms of build up. He's rarely been cited, and the first time we'll actually see him is tomorrow night in an exhibition match against Novak Djokovic at Melbourne Park. He does very well with very little match practice. He, he's such a great striker of the ball. I think he can't do. He's an exceptional player with a, you know, exceptional shot making and, and some massive guns on, 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 his, on his side. So he can blow players away. So Pat Cash still thinks Nick Kyrgios is a good chance uh, despite a indifferent build-up. Now, speaking of Novak Djokovic, he might have been booted out of the country 12 months ago. But in the main... Melbourne has been very kind to him. A nine-time champion at Melbourne Park, undefeated in Australia in his last 34 matches. But a little hamstring niggle meant he was done after just one set in a tune-up against Daniel Medvedev at Rod Laver Arena yesterday. It's, it's um, a hamstring that I had problems with in, uh, in Adelaide, actually, last week. Uh, it was against Medvedev when I played semifinals, and I played again with him today in practice uh, practice match. And I, uh, I just felt it a bit and pulling, and I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to risk anything, anything worse. So um, you know, I played, played a set, and then, you know, apologized to him. He, he was understanding, and so I just want to avoid any, any kind of bigger scares before Australian Open. So that was Novak uh, speaking yesterday on Channel Nine. Rafa Nadal returns as defending champion. But his back end of 2022 was a little tricky and he actually failed to win a match at the United Cup. In fact, he's lost six of his past seven matches. But I am confident that if I am able to, to have this last week of positive practices, why not? I think I am in, in good shape. Honestly, I, I, I am not unhappy with the preparation. No? Then uh, I need to win matches for sure. But the preparation is, is going quite well. So Rafa and Novak, a few little issues around them going into the tournament. Uh, are they your favourites? Give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Send us through a 40 Wings temper text, 0433-981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. Is it going to be Nadal again? Is Djokovic going to return to winning ways in Australia? Or is there someone else 
on that men's side, whether it's Kyrgios or Demonor or one of the young guns coming through or someone like a Stefano Tsitsipas that is still trying to win their first Grand Slam. He's working with Mark Philippoussis uh, this year, who obviously knows Melbourne Park very well. So uh, is it Rafa? Is it Novak? Or can someone else win the title? Speaking of the rivalry between uh, Nadal and Djokovic, Unbelievable stat came out uh, after Djokovic won last week. So they both won 92 career titles. Grand Slams, Nadal is one ahead, 22, to Djokovic, 21. And head-to-head, Nadal, 29, Djokovic, 30. So that uh, if they meet, and it will obviously be in the latter stages of the tournament, uh, what a match uh, that will be. Now, on the women's side, in the absence of Ash Barty, clear world number one, Igus Fiontek, is the red-hot favourite. And overnight, the reason for Naomi Osaka's withdrawal was revealed. Like Ash, she'll become a mum in 2023. So congratulations uh, to Naomi Osaka. Now, to the footy, it seems like it'd be a no-brainer. Play your players in their best positions. But it doesn't always happen for a variety of reasons. At St Kilda, Brad Hill has been trialled as a halfback and a half-forward. But under Ross Lyon, he'll be back on a wing where he's played his best footy. At Essendon, Andy McGrath won the Rising Star in his debut season as a defender. He'll go back in 2023. And the back half of last year, Dylan Shield returned back to his best when he moved back into the centre square. You know, Brad's you know, keen just to have um, you know, each player play in their preferred position, um, you know, where they play their best footy. And certainly feel like I've you know, sort of demonstrated my best footy throughout my career as a as a mid. Um, you know, not not that I wasn't playing that um, in previous seasons. Um, you know, we're just obviously trying to get a bit more flexibility uh, with our group. Um, you know, and that sort of resulted in guys not spending as much time in their preferred spot. So it was nice to um, yeah, nice to hit hit some form. And yeah, like I, I agree with you, Jared. It was you know probably some of the best form I played in yep. my career. So that was that was nice. Um, just unfortunate that we finish the season the way we do, and it's hard to look at that season um, in a good way. So that was Dylan Shield on Sports Day last night. So the question is, at your club, when now, Dylan, you know, he sort of explained there, they were looking to get some more flexibility through the midfield, and therefore some different players were going through there. Is there similar circumstances at your club, whether it's with a midfielder or is it a forward that's been playing back or a back that's been playing forward? that needs to change. So they need to go back to where they're playing their best footy or even just a suggested positional change uh, for someone at your footy club. Give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 Send us through a temper text, 433 Consumer's Choice winner, Tepper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape of your body. On the McCafe menu today, I will play you to... Uh, some of the best bits of uh, Sammy Edmonds' chat with Ryan Pappenhausen, the Melbourne Storm star who suffered one of the more, I guess, graphic and serious injuries in Australian sport last year when he shattered uh, his kneecap in a match at Amy Park uh, back in July. He's over in the States uh, working with the much-renowned uh, specialist, uh, rehab specialist, uh, Bill Knowles. Uh, so we'll replay some of that chat. And also his captain, uh, Christian Welsh, will join us to talk about that and the Storm, but also the fact that 21 of the Melbourne Storm players uh, tomorrow will be shaving their heads. It's all to raise money uh, for the fantastic charity Camp Quality, which helps uh, sick kids dealing with cancer uh, between uh, the ages of 1 uh, and 15. Christian is an ambassador 
uh, for camp quality. So Christian will join us to chat about that and, and a bit of uh, news around the Melbourne Storm as well. Uh, the South East Melbourne Phoenix, their head coach Simon Mitchell will join us in a bit of a sticky patch at the moment. The Phoenix, they've lost their last four matches. They've had some injury problems, but they've got a big week uh, coming up starting on Sunday with the Bullets. They play three matches uh, in six days. We know at this time of the year for the Phoenix and United and the Wildcats to a lesser degree, there's a lot of games uh, on the road, so it's a tough time. So we'll speak to Simon Mitchell about that, get an update on Mitch Creek, who suffered that uh, nasty eye injury uh, in their loss against Cairns. And Athletics Australia CEO Peter Bromley uh, will also join us. There's some quality athletes coming to our country uh, very soon to compete. And obviously we've got uh, great depth of talent in Australian athletics, both men uh, and the women. So he'll join us uh, after 10 o'clock uh, to take us through all of that. Uh, so just if you're catching up on some scores uh, overnight, speaking of the NBL, it's just been a disaster of a season for the Brisbane Bullets. Uh, some had them even as a fancy to uh, win the title potentially, but uh, it's been anything but. They are struggling. Second bottom of the table, thumped. Last night, but the best in the business, the Sydney Kings, 116 to 67. Uh, in the BBL last night, the Perth Scorchers uh, continued on their merry way. So the Brisbane Heat batted first at the Gabba, six for 155. Max Bryant top scored with 36. Uh, Jason Berendorf did the damage with the ball in a man of the match performance, three for 21. And in reply, the Scorchers did it quite comfortably, two for 157. Um, with about four overs to spare. Josh Inglis again at the top of the order, 67 not out of 35 balls. And Aaron Hardy, this very, very talented uh, all-rounder, also shone with the bat. So the Scorchers and the Sixers continue to set the pace uh, in the BBL tonight. It's the Stars uh, who are struggling as well, taking on the Strikers, uh, fresh off that win uh, over the Renegades. And then, as we said, uh, as uh, Sam mentioned, at the end of breakfast, a couple of uh, quarterfinals in the EFL, uh, the um, League Cup uh, over in England. Big shock over there this morning. Southampton 2, Man City 0. And in the other game, it went to penalties, uh, Nottingham Forest and Wolves finished one all. Forest uh, got through on penalties. So let's get our first break away. Got plenty of time to take your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Happy to get your thoughts on the tennis Who's your favourite to win? If you look at uh, the bookmakers, they've got Djokovic very short, and then it's Daniel Medvedev, and then you have to go down to players like Tsitsipas and Nadal. Who's your favourite to win? Can the two Aussie men in particular, and Isla Tomljanovic on the other side, on the women's side, make a run? Give us some sort of run like Ash Barty did uh, last year. Your footy club, is there a positional change you need? Does someone need to go back to where they've played their best footy in the past? And get your thoughts as well. Happy to get your thoughts on the Australian Test uh, squad that was selected uh, yesterday. We'll hear a little bit of audio later in the show from Todd Murphy, uh, the off-spinner, and also George Bailey, the chairman of Selectors. Uh, But this is mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. Creamy soft serve, crunchy hokey pokey pieces, flakes of caramel and caramel sauce. Macca's Cadbury Caramel Hokey Pokey. Anywhere, anytime. Download it today. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop with you. Melbourne Storm captain Christian Welsh, South East Melbourne Phoenix head coach Simon Mitchell and Athletics Australia CEO Peter Bromley are all on our McCafe menu and former Test Quick uh, Ryan Harris will join us uh, later in the show to discuss uh, 
This 18-man squad that's been named for India, just how that uh, first test team will look. There's no Mitch Stark. Will Cam Green will be there? Which spin combination uh, will they go with? And, and what sort of chances are we of uh, getting a win in India? It's so difficult. We were pretty close uh, last series. Lost 2-1 in a really tight series. We have to go way back uh, to Michael Clark's uh, first test series in 2004 for the last time Australia defeated India uh, on Indian soil. Uh, just asking this morning a couple of questions. Uh, your thoughts on the favourite for the Australian Open? Uh, is it Rafa? Is it Novak? Can the Australians make a run? Whether it's Nick Kyrgios, whether it's Alex Dimonor, uh, whether it's Ola Tomjanovic in the women's side of the draw. The draw is uh, conducted tonight. So uh, always interesting to break down that draw. Not only who uh, the, some of the you know, the Aussies play in the first round, but what their path is uh, if they do win their first uh, couple of matches. And also just talking a few positional changes and or just in footy, who needs to go back to playing their best position? We're going to see it with Brad Hill at St Kilda. We're going to see it at Andy McGrath at Essendon. Uh, Dylan Shield went back into the middle last year and certainly played better football uh, as an inside mid. So getting plenty of suggestions uh, off the 40 wings temper. One off Twitter here as well, Ben Mackay. His identical twin brother is the best forward in the comp. He's a genetic clone. Put him forward. Well, we saw that last year. It didn't really work, but in fairness, the ball wasn't coming down that much. But I've got a feeling Alistair Clarkson will be more than happy for Ben Mackay to play at fullback, lock him in as his best defender, and uh, work from there. So I don't think we'll see Ben Mackay play forward, uh, but you never know. A few more here off the 40 Winks temper from Joe, J-Dog, a big Bulldogs fan. With Josh Dunkley's departure, Bailey Smith and Adam Trelaw should play more inside midfield time, which will inject some much-needed explosive pace into the Bulldog engine room. Uh, Jaden Stevenson needs to play at half forward. Played midfield and half back too much last year, and his best position is as a goal sneak. Cal Ward playing at half back at the Giants. Leave him in the middle with Tom Green and Cog, says Paul. And another one from Simon. Jaden Stevenson needs to be played up forward. Was played in the back line last year and it blew my mind. Not in a good way, uh, says uh, Simon. So keep them coming through uh, on the 40 Winks uh, temper text. Another one here. Jake Waterman needs to stay forward. He was a typical clubman last year playing wherever the coach wanted him. When he played in the back line for the Eagles, he looked lost says Roy. So keep them coming through. Give us a call, 1300 736 736. One name we didn't mention uh, when we talked about the tennis there in terms of our local hopes was Tanasi Kokonaka. So if you go back this time last year, he won the well Adelaide International 2, so the second week of the Adelaide International. So he's back there this year. He's, you know, he's defending his points, so he really needs to go very well. Uh, in this tournament again to protect his ranking from uh, going down a little bit. Uh, But he certainly made a good start. And last night, uh, a fantastic win over the number one seed in the tournament, Andre Rublev, uh, 6-4-3-6-6-3. It was fiery at times. He had a bit of a clash uh, with the chair umpire. But uh, on his home court, once again, Tanasi Kokonakis playing some great tennis. And uh, he was thrilled uh, after the match. And I've had my best memories on this court. As I said, last year was, was an incredible feeling. It's something that you only dream of as a kid. And, and to play in front of you guys in this atmosphere every night, uh, it, it's incredible. Thank you. You practiced with him a little bit during the week. Yeah. Did, did you learn anything there? What was your game plan? Um, I learned that he hits the shit out of the ball, which I kind of already knew, to be honest. Um, 
nah, he's a hell of a player. As you can see, I didn't even play that bad a game. I just missed a couple first serves, and in that second set, that's all it takes against someone that quality. Um, he's a hell of a player, a ripper bloke as well. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's doing great, great things already and going to continue to. But, uh, yeah, I'm stoked, uh, stoked I got one of my biggest wins in front of you guys. Yeah, he loves playing on that court, and uh, look, we know he won the doubles last year with Nick Kyrgios, but it'd be great to see an injury-free Tanasi Kokonakis and, and for him to get on some sort of run at the Australian Open because he's got the talent to beat some of the big players in the world, and he showed that uh, against Andre Rublev uh, last night uh, over in Adelaide. Uh, so give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Anything you want to talk about in the world of sport, there's plenty coming through on the 40 Winks temper, zero four. Double three, 98, 11, 16. Temper, a mattress like no other. Brian from Chelsea Heights has jumped on the line, wants to talk about out-of-position players. G'day, Brian. Uh, good day, mate. It's not so much out-of-position, but uh, I'm a Richmond fanatic. Yep. Actually, it's a matter of interest. I've, I've been at every Richmond grand final since 1967, so I'm a bit of a fan. You're just a little bit? <laughs> just a little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but but what I would love to see is I'd love to see Boulder go out to a wing. Um, and and the reason I say that is that um, he, he, he helps with the fence and he's played forward. And from the wing, he, he can he can do it. I can't remember the fellow on the other wing, uh, big fella. I'm, I'm used with names. Um, played every game last year for us. He's a reasonable side. McIntosh, Camden and McIntosh. McIntosh, that's yep. the one. He they he actually filled in on a half-back flank when they were in trouble last year. Mm. So they have two versatile wingmen that could go forward and help and then drift back and help defence as an extra player rather than a key defender, I reckon would be a match winner. He, he's a luxury, isn't he, Noah Bolter? Because you can play him as a key forward, you can play him as a key defender, he's certainly got the athleticism to play on a wing and he can be a backup ruck or be a ruckman. So it's an amazing weapon that uh, Damien Hardwick has. The, the question I'd ask you, though, Brian, if Noah Bolt is not in defence, have you got enough quality key position stocks if Noah's not down there? Well, I'm quite confident that we have. I mean, the young fellow they recruited last year, um, the 19-year-old, um, it, 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 they rave me about it's going to be a top player. Oh, jo- uh, Joshy Gibkiss, yep. Yeah, Grimes will be back next year. Um, and uh, I'm quite... And as far as half-back flankers can go, they've they, they actually got all Australian half-back flankers in Rioli and uh, and Blopren and um, uh, and even Baker can go back there. Yep. So uh, they've got, got the tools, and, and I'm, I'm quite confident about it. The thing that let them down last year was the, that they ran out of players in the midfield. No doubt about that, but you strengthen that area uh, with Hopper and Taranto. So how confident you are with the Tigers this year, Brian? I think a lot of people think, look, if they won a few of those close games last year, they finished top four, and who knows what happens from there. Well, what's your expectation for the Tigers in 2023? Well, I was one of the few that was was quite impressed with them last year. He played 14, hardly played 14 new players last year. As, as Gail said, we're not on uh, their ground, we're building. So I'm quite confident that they can finish in the top four next year and uh, and certainly challenge because uh, they've proven their worth. But I can tell you that Geelong breathed a sigh of relief when we got done in that final <laughs> against uh, Brisbane. Yeah, you've given them plenty well, of troubles. Uh, just, uh, just before I let you go, Brian, uh, so you said you've been to every grand final since 1967. You had a fair old drought between 1982 and 2017. 
We certainly, we certainly did, but uh, I mean, the, the, the club was, was a nightmare. I'll come back to administration. The, the new administration uh, at Richmond have been brilliant, and, and that's been the difference. When Graham Richmond was there, he was great, but uh, as I say, in the later years, when you've got one man in total control, it, uh, it doesn't work. No, they're beautifully run now, the Tigers. There's no doubt about that. Thanks for your call, Brian. I think John Mil- John from Mill Park wants to take up a point that Brian mentioned about the key defenders down at the Tigers. G'day, John. G'day, Julian. How are you? I'm mate? good, mate. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Um, there's plenty of stocks there. You're forgetting that we played without Dylan Grimes. No, that's a good point. And, um, and came within a kick of beating Brisbane. And I have no doubt that... Uh, we would have done the same thing to Melbourne. We would have beaten Melbourne UCG. I've got no doubt about that. But that's that's neither here or there now. But the stocks at Richmond, you've got Nathan Broad, you've got Nick Boston that can play both short and tall. Um, and you're forgetting that there's a crop of young kids at Richmond at the moment that, apart from Josh Gippers, who I believe will be a very, very yeah, talented good. player, Noah Bolter together. I mean, their defence is as good as anything going around. And I think what we're forgetting now is that gentleman made the right point. It was the midfield stocks that mm. uh, we were lacking. To go and add Taranto and Hopper into that team now and look at the young kids, and I really mean there's a batch of six or seven kids at Richmond that would play senior football at most other bottom eight teams. And when I say bottom eight teams, the bottom eight teams that finished in the bottom eight last year, that they'd be a walk-up start. If give, those kids come on... Give me, some na- give me some names there, Johnny. Okay. Hugo Ralph-Smith. Mm-hmm. Ben Banks, um, the young kid uh, from Geelong's famous player. I've forgotten his name now. It comes, doesn't come to my head now. But, um, you know, you've still got the, the likes of Daniel Rioli, who hasn't played a full season, who I believe could be a star. Um, there's, there's, so many, there's so much talent at Richmond at the moment. that That's why, that's why they didn't participate in this year's draft. They knew what they had. Mm. They knew what they had. So- Ed, Ed Hopper and Toronto who are number one picks into that midfield. And let's not forget, and I still rate him the best player in the competition, regardless of what anyone says, because he's a natural footballer. If Dustin Martin is fit, and like all, all reports are saying now that he's over his um, loss of his dad, and hopefully he's fully fit and over his injuries, you've got the best player in the competition coming back to form. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, it's been a tough 18 months losing his dad. And obviously that was a serious injury he had with the kidney back in uh, 2021 as well. So I'm... Um, Tipping you pretty bullish about your Tigers, Johnny. Top four? I think top four, given it always boils down to injuries. So, you know, you don't want to lose blokes like Lynch and Curvis. Um, you know, not a bloke like Noah Bolter who can, you know, play so many roles. Even a bloke like Robbie Tarrant is such an important player to Richmond now. And he, his last 10 rounds were as good as any backman in the competition. Yeah, he got better. There's no doubt about that. So, you know, I, I, I believe, um, and let's not forget that the only team that I believe Geelong does fear is Richmond. There's no doubt that they fear them. And uh, and I've got no doubt that if we make the top four, uh, I think Richmond's are very scared because don't forget, the matches are played at the MCG. <laughs> that's a and very that's good point. Yeah, and uh, Tyler Sonsi's another ripper that you got down there as well, John. Hey, thanks so much uh, for your call. Let's get to the news. Uh, Emerson and Johnny from Port Augusta. Hang on, we'll get to you on the other side, but let's get the latest from the newsroom with Vanessa Open Gibson. with every night session live on SEN and a dedicated SEN channel app. all day on now the compatible SEN with app. Apple Watch. Down. Oh, nice, Johnny. Nice. I reckon Benny Lyon might have inspired that sort of uh, 
Music, just a bit of other footy news before we get to uh, Emerson and John. Uh, a couple, speaking of the Tigers, uh, former Tiger and former son, Oleg Markov, training with the Pies. So he links up there with Craig McRae, who he played plenty of football under at Richmond uh, in their VFL side. And the, and the uh, well, sudden retirement of Fisher Mackesee may open the door for another a former Magpie in Tyler Brown, who's uh, set to train with the Crows. So a couple of players there trying to get some spots uh, via the SSP. Johnny from Port Augusta loves his cricket, and he wants to talk about the upcoming India series. G'day, John. Yeah, morning, Julian. Yeah, just uh, some thoughts on that, on that coming series. I'll be watching it closely, obviously, come, uh, come February, March, being a devout cricket lover, and I love my footy as well. I just love my sport. But um, just on, um, on the series, Australia have only beaten... This is the thing, we've only beaten ex-India, and we've seen some good sides. We've only actually beaten them twice, as far as I know. That's right. 69-70 under Bill Laurie. That's correct. 69-70 under Bill Laurie. And um, 2004, under Pond Gilchrist, as you said, with Michael Clark on the ball and all the rest of it. So it's going to be a bloody hard series. I mean, it's, it's just totally, just completely and utterly foreign. I mean, um, yeah, it's just totally different. It's totally different cricket over there and all the rest of it. So, but it will be, but it'll be the test because I, I, I look at this current Australian side, and I've said a couple of times. I reckon it's underrated. I reckon it's a pretty good side. It's a very good side. A lot of people aren't, aren't a lot of people aren't necessarily Dave Warner fans or necessarily political statement fans like Pat Cummings and whatever else and all the rest of it. But you got to give credit where credit's due. Be fair about these things. It's a pretty bloody good side. I mean, when Scotty Boland can't. Guarantee the form with the form that he's in. Any most of other eras, he would be guaranteed for a game. And and Australia, as far as I know, and I've, I've read a lot about the history of Australian cricket and all the rest of it. Australia's never had two blokes that had sixty Test cricket. Obviously, Bradman averaged ninety nine point nine four, so that blows it away. <laughs> but yes. never two blokes, never two blokes at the one time average sixty. So, but I'm really looking forward to this winter's cricket and all the rest of it. And It'll be great with the AFL going on at the same time. It'll be a sporting heaven. Oh, Johnny, it's a great year for sport, not just uh, footy and cricket. But uh, in terms of this test series, it doesn't get any better than uh, India in India and then England in England. Uh, Enjoy uh, Emerson from Castle Hill. I like the look of this call. Love a good sports docker. We've been talking this week. There's a couple uh, coming out. Uh, Obviously, the test, uh, the second series of the test, and also uh, this Netflix documentary on the tennis. But I think Emerson's got another suggestion for us. G'day, Emerson. Yeah, thanks, gents, for taking my call, mate. Yeah, um, just uh, uh, one of the docos that I've been watching recently, um, it's a bit with the Drive to Survive flavour. It's called uh, Road to Le Mans. Okay, um, yep. Basically, a four, it's been going for probably four years now, and it's, it's, it's been released. For, it's on YouTube, and it um, basically follows uh, a Hollywood actor, Michael Fassbender, who's an Irish-German um, actor yep. who basically wants to drive as an amateur at, at Le Mans, the 24 hours of Le Mans. Just to give you an idea about Le Mans, it's basically what they say is that, you know, boys drive Formula One, men drive at Le Mans because it's basically extremely dangerous driving at night. And, you know, to be an amateur driver, to be able to do that, um, it's incredible. Um, But it's been going for about three or four years. They follow him through, um, you know, Porsche, Carrera Cup and all these sort of of, um, around tracks throughout Europe. And um, he bingles a few cars like... (laughs) Like big money, it's, it's the actual the actual series I think is produced by Porsche, so it's really 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 professional. 
and just to have a bit of an Aussie flavour, um, that they're, they're, they're getting up to the penultimate thing. You know, they're getting they're at Le Mans, and um, some of your uh, listeners might be familiar with a driver called it's a young Queenslander who is like you think Piastri, what Piastri's doing at the moment. This guy is probably equivalent in the um, World Endurance Championship. He's a factory works driver, and he'll be driving the um, 963 hypercar this year at Le Mans, and he's going to be driving at IMSA. Um, uh, at the moment, and um, um, but anyway, back to the road, Le Mans, a fantastic series. So you've got this young Aussie guy who's 27 at the moment, and he's and he's coaching this guy that basically his confidence is down. It's like unbelievable series. So if any if you, anyone any of your listeners get a chance and you know want to kill some time, um, it, it probably beats Drive to Survive. That, that's a big call because that's a great series, but it's certainly highly rated just having a look of it now. So we're into the fourth season uh, by the look of it. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but was Le Mans the race that's the focus of Ford v Ferrari in that movie? Yeah, Is that, that Le Mans? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so Ford v Ferrari, that was basically in the mid-60s to the late 60s. Um, Ferrari were dominant because basically they had the great engine and, and it was basically big block, um, uh, like seven-litre V8s uh, for the GT40s up to the late 60s. But throughout that time, Porsche had always had small capacity engines because throughout Porsche's history, they've always gone lighter cars, uh, lower capacity, and went through the classes. And then in 1970, they had the all-conquering 917. I mean, that's another fantastic movie. If you want to watch a movie called Le Mans by Steve McQueen, it's a 1970-slash-drama-slash-doco. That's an amazing story for your motor racing fans. Not much much, uh, vocabulary or dialogue at all. It's all, 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 all just racing scenes, which is fantastic. Um, but, yeah, Porsche have had a history, as I, I would, I've, I've said before, with Michael Fassbender. Had, they've had, uh, like, um, Steve McQueen back in the 70s. Uh, Patrick Dempsey's, you know, his uh, sexy eyes from one of the guys from uh, one of those uh, <laughs> uh, emergency shows or whatever. Patrick Dempsey, you probably remember him. He's, he's, yeah. He's involved. Um, what was that show wins. called? Oh, not oh, the... Uh, no, no. Um... I'll get. I'll find it for you. I'll find it for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but yeah, I think this is a fantastic series. And and just finally, yeah, just I think. Um, Grey's Anatomy is the uh, one we're looking for, Emerson. Of, here you go. Yeah, you're on YouTube there. No, you're on. You're on nice Google work. Well, um, my producer but, um, is. Yeah, I know. Um, but just the. Um, but just just one final thing. I think um, something that's probably not going to get much coverage here, but it's going to be massive. Is is Matt Campbell? He's basically. You know, works Porsche like top end like this year in the World Endurance Championships. It's it's the World Endurance. Is it going to be like Porsche, Ferrari, Glickenhaus, BMW, Peugeot, uh, uh, that, all the manufacturers, all the big ones. Yep. Are, are returning to World Endurance, and Matt Campbell, who's gone through 911 Career Cup in Australia, yep. Career Cup in, in 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 Europe, and then he's gone into uh, driving in, in the RSRs and driving a Daytona and a class win at Le Mans a few years ago in the Pink Pig, it was the Pink Porsche. Um, you, um, uh, I think if, if SCN cover it, you know, it'd be really good because or follow it at least because um, um, you know this guy's a ch- chance of being oh, like a world champion. Like last time we had a had a guy in the pinnacle of World Endurance Championships was. Um, was Mark Webber after he retired from Red Bull? That's right. Yep. Uh, yeah, and he and he drove a Le Mans, but never won Le Mans. Um, but um, having a young guy who's at a chance of winning Le Mans, I think the last David Brabham might have won um, a Le, uh, Le Mans yep, back in the right. day. Yep. Uh, Vern, Vern Schupen in the early eighties uh, won it um, in a nine five six Rothmans nine five. I can't say Rothmans, can I? No. 
I don't know. Yeah, I can say it. Back in the in the eighties, um, but yeah, as you can see, yeah, I'm a bit of a bit of a Porsche and, and racing fan. And no, I didn't pick that up, YouTube. Emerson. No, no, well, I was named after Fittipaldi, so don't worry. Uh, Emerson, uh, thanks so much for your call, mate. We really appreciate it. Uh, getting some good feedback from people on the 40 Wings temper that have obviously uh, watched it as well. Any other suggestions for sports tacos? Love to hear them. I love them. I'm sure plenty of our listeners uh, do. And there's plenty that are slightly off-Broadway that don't get that much publicity uh, that are fantastic. And you can find them on a whole range of streaming services uh, at the moment. Speaking of great sport, remember, listen live to SEN every Monday morning from 5am for all the live action of the NFL. Playoffs get underway this weekend, the wild card round. It's from the US, of course, as it unfolds. SEN has taken the NFL to the Neds level this season, thanks to Neds. Gamble responsibly call one 800 858 This is mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel in stock now. Delays continue heading into Melbourne on the Westgate Freeway from Grieve Parade through to Williamstown Roads. Also slow outbound coming down the bridge towards Willie. Heavy going on the Monash Freeway in both directions between East Melbourne Station and East Link. Also heavy going on the Calder as you head city. Call one 858 858 Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop with you. Hope you're having a fantastic start to this Thursday morning. Uh, McCafe menu today, Melbourne Storm's Christian Welsh will join us. Talk a bit of Storm, but also the fact that 21 of the Storm players tomorrow morning will shave their heads to raise money for camp quality, for which Christian is an ambassador. Uh, South East Melbourne Phoenix head coach Simon Mitchell will join us. Athletics Australia CEO Peter Bromley and former Test Quick Ryan Harris will join us as well on the show. Uh, getting plenty of uh, 40 Winks uh, temper texts through. Uh, just a couple of suggestions uh, for sports documentaries. Got this one from Steve. Uh, boys, you have to watch Crimes and Penalties in the Untold series. That's a really good series on Netflix, uh, the Untold series. Uh, it's about the story of the real Tony Soprano who bought his son an ice hockey club. It's amazing. And I haven't watched this one yet, uh, but welcome to Wrexham. is getting plenty of love. Of course, Hollywood actor Ryan Reynolds uh, bought the Welsh uh, football Club, and there's a Netflix series, uh, Sunderland Until I Die is not too far away as well, the third series of that one, uh, if you've seen that one before, uh, and this one, I think it's only two episodes, uh, the third series, it's uh, their promotion from League One uh, up to the championship, um, plenty of others coming through in terms of uh, positional change, and I think the Tigers fans, they had a couple of Tigers fans in the first half an hour, they've just got under the skin of the Cats fans a little bit. Suggested both the the callers suggested that you know the Cats were relieved that Richmond got knocked out. Um, they were worried about playing the Tigers in the finals. And look, I think Geelong fans would have been a bit nervous uh, given what happened in 2020, 2019, 2017. They played that really close game at the MCG as well uh, this year. So just for those uh, also asking the name of that documentary, as suggested by, by our caller Emerson, it's Road to Le Mans. It's on YouTube. Uh, that's for Joe on the temper text. He was asking uh, f- the name of the documentary. So just a few here. Jeez, Tigers fans obsessed about the Cats. They seem to forget Geelong beat them at the MCG last year. 
Did that Richmond sort of supporter say they played 14 first-year players in 2022? Hopefully I misheard that. It was five or six, I think, says Keith from uh, Burwood. He, he said 14 new players, so it doesn't have to be necessarily uh, debutants. I don't think it would have been as high as 14. Uh, hello, I enjoy your show. Totally have to disagree. Uh, with black and yellow eyes. Johnny said Dustin Martin isn't in the top 15 players in the f- competition. No, I don't think he said that. I think he says he's the best player in the competition. Um, he's the best finals player ever and had one outstanding season, I think 2017, but that is all. A great player, yes, and we'll get a game in any other team, but not the best player in the competition, says Bill from Reservoir. Uh, he has been the best player in the competition at times. Um, Brownlow medalist, three Norm Smiths. He hasn't always played his greatest football for the entirety of the home and away season, but uh, when you want him in the big games, uh, there's been none better. Uh, Simon says, all these Richmond supporters saying Geelong fears and, and games are played at the MCG. We beat you twice there this last year. Even let you back into the lead and you still couldn't win. Plus Geelong's record at the MCG since 2020 is elite. So the MCG doesn't fear us. Uh, a few other positional changes ones are coming through as well. We'll read some of them after the break. And Jared Healy also had a bit of a radical suggestion for a player that should shift positions. Uh, we'll play that for you after the break from Sports Day. This is mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel in stock now. Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewal. Well, it's been a tough four games for South East Melbourne Phoenix, but we've got three games coming up in a week, starting with the Bullets on Monday night. And their coach, Simon Mitchell, has been good enough to join us this morning. Morning, Simon. Morning, Julian. How are you, Boot? Very good, thank you. Yeah, Sticky Patch, uh, as we mentioned, just before we get stuck into that, uh, just the latest on Mitch Creek. That looked nasty, but it sounds like uh, the result wasn't too bad. Yeah, he's, he's, he's out for a little while um, in the sense of this week. Uh, he's not on the training track. He's uh, just doing some individuals, getting his uh, depth perception back. Um, he's no longer wearing the patch, which is good. He didn't look, make for a good pirate, but... Um, yeah, no, he's he should be all right for Monday night, which is uh, which is great news for the, the team. What was the fear that the da- what damage that could have been? Um, anything around the eye can be very nasty, and we've seen, you know, players miss significant time with eye injuries. Uh, was that a concern initially? Yeah, well, um, yeah, you, you get into those situations and you kind of uh, ponder the worst. Um, we feel like our luck's been pretty bad, so we'll probably do for some good one, um, some good news. So. Yeah, we're just thankful that he's um, just taken care of well by the, uh, the the medical team up there in Cairns. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be right for next week. So we're just, we're just thankful that he's good to go. You were pretty strong in your comments post-match about some of the treatment Mitch was receiving, not that incident uh, in particular. Uh, has that been something you've followed up with the NBL since? Uh, no, I will this week. Uh, it's, we've been on the road um, since, since last year, and we only got back into town on... Uh, on Tuesday, so uh, got a few things that are probably higher on the list of uh, of importance just at the moment. But uh, yeah, it will be something I'll be making some time just to discuss, uh, you know, physicality and, and what what is and what's not acceptable um, when we're driving to the rim. We've, we've had a little bit of trouble getting to the free throw line in recent games, um, and we feel like we're we're attacking the rim with the same velocity as we had been earlier, and maybe it's not reaping the rewards. And Mitch is a huge part of that. So we're just going to find out what we can do better and, uh, and then hopefully uh, you know, our case is heard and, and there may be some change that way. In a way, does Mitch, because Mitch is a pretty aggressive player himself, he's a big, strong boy, does sometimes that, that work against him and, and sometimes he probably doesn't get the calls his way that he should? Oh, I think it falls 
throughout the league, some of the, the, the stronger players, um, you know, when they're doing matched up favourably uh, down in the block, they, they, they receive a little extra treatment. Um, so I think that's probably something throughout the league. It's, it's, it's not just exclusive to Mitch, but it's something that uh, we certainly want to see rectified. How tough, Simon, is this time of the year? And you're not the only team that goes through it. We know Melbourne United's on the road. Uh, you know, even the Wildcats have had to be on the road a little bit due to the United Cup uh, being played over in Perth. How difficult is this time of the season to manage when you, you're playing on the road for a long time? And as you said, you spend not only playing on the road, but you're spending a long time away from Melbourne as well. Yeah, um, it sets its challenges for you, um, certainly. Uh, but I feel like it's a great time for the, for the team to bond um, and get together. We've got a really good group of young men, um, enjoy each other's company. And uh, our time on the road has been, you know, been quite pleasurable, but uh, at the same time, you know, we've been down a few soldiers and uh, not having everybody there and and working away from some of the guys also. Uh, it's good to be home, so we've got them back in the crew and we can get a few training sessions. We haven't, we haven't trained much uh, this year, um, going back to mid-December really, um, just because of the, the schedule and uh, this week we've got a bit of, we had our first uh, training session yesterday where we could get up and down the floor and, and scrimmage a little bit. So that, that was really welcome. Uh, we, we need more of that, um, you know, to get ourselves toughened and ready for the challenge of the lay ahead. South East Melbourne Phoenix coach Simon Mitchell. They resume their NBL season on Monday night at home to the Bullets. They also play the Jack Jumpers and the Wildcats. So three games uh, in six days. Uh, so it looks like you're going to get a couple of others back as well. Important players for you, Gary Brown and Troy Kell. Will they be available for, for Monday as well? Yeah, well, Gary trained with the group for the first time in uh, about four weeks uh, yesterday and looked really dynamic. He's moving really well. Uh, we've just got to make sure that you know, we fill the gas up for him. He's, uh, whilst he's, he's been working diligently on uh, his fitness, once you get on the court, it's a different matter. So he'll, um, he'll really benefit from the, the sessions this week and get his lungs back. Uh, but he's moving really well. He's super quick. Uh, he's got all his agility back. So really pleased with what we saw out of uh, with Gary. Uh, Trey's still battling a knee injury um, that he sustained down in the game in Hobart uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, was unable to get through the session yesterday, but uh, we'll have another go with him today and, and see where he's at. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he should be right for Monday. It's a pretty extraordinary NBL season. Apart from the Bullets and the Hawks, who are, who are really, really struggling, it's, it's very even. Obviously, the Kings top of the pile at the moment. Can you remember a season that has been this even and this unpredictable? Yeah, I think, I think we've probably had this uh, occur probably for the last three or four years, where there's been a real um, strong depth uh, amongst... And, and anyone can win on any given night. Uh, you know, even last year, we had teams, and ourselves, with a, with a winning record and unable to make the playoffs. So um, I feel like that's the one of the key components of the NBL and why it's been uh, louder, louder you know, across the world as being one of the best basketball competitions, just the evenness of the teams. Uh, I mean, even Illawarra have had their difficulties in the wins and losses column, but uh, you know, they're serving it up every night and really holding teams to account. You know, Brisbane have had their issues in recent times, but uh, earlier in the season, uh, you know, they, they were you know, one of the championship favourites. So it's, it's, it's amazing how the, the twists and turns of the season present. Um, 
and we've got some uh, some really good storylines to, to to round out the last month and a bit of the season as well as the who makes finals, who misses, who lands in the top two, and and all the machinations that go into the playoffs. I guess the good thing this year is uh, for any team that has a winning record, you should at least get into the play-in uh, for the playoffs. Do you like that system? Yeah, I think it's look, it's the first year. We'll um, we'll get. I mean, we're a team that that may. Uh, very well, be advantaged by it. Um, you know, I think teams that you know suffer sort of level of injuries that we have, and the, the number of games missed by key players, mm. it, it allows you just to get on a run and um, and still qualify. You know, you, it, it sort of you sustain a, a lot of damage throughout the course of the year, and <laughs> and this, uh, sort of gives you that extra chance. But we'll wait and see how it all pans out. It, it's it's you know because of the evenness, I think it's going to really do well. But there's also the, the scenario down the road where you might have a team who barely misses the top two by percentage or something and, and has a, a first-round mm. game at home against a, an extraordinarily good comp- uh, you know, opponent and, uh, and and goes out in the first round. And, and uh, you know, it's going to ask questions we've we'll asked, I guess, of uh, what's the value of the regular season if you go all year round and it comes down to a sudden death game. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays be played with by the NBL over the coming season to find that formula that really works for the, the, the greatest of the competition. You mentioned the injuries that, that the problems you've had this season, and you know, obviously the treatment that Mitch uh, Creek has got. We've seen uh, at Cairns, you know, that they've had some issues with the way uh, Keanu Pinder has been treated as well. Just the, the overall physicality of the NBL, just in your experience with some of the imports that you've had, has it, has it taken then? By surprise at times, just how physical this league is. Um, I think there's physical leagues all around the world. I think the, the NBA is probably one of the least physical. Um, the NBL fluctuates. I mean, we've had periods of time where it's more football like a cage match. If you go back to the early uh, 2010s, uh, and it was it was unappealing, um, and alterations have been made, and I think the product that's been put on the floor has improved. It's just striking that balance between you know, allowing players to, to play freely um, and also allowing an element of physicality. Uh, you don't want it to be um, you know, a, a touch sport. You know, it, it should be a physical sport, but it's just making sure it's consistent and uh, you know, that's always a, a, a difficult uh, task um, all, over the, all over the world. You know, it, it's real easy to point fingers at, at the officials, but uh, you know, everybody's got to make the adjustment and, and, and apply what's, uh, what's been um, adjudicated out there um, during the course of a game and in, on any given night. So it's just making the adjustments and being good at that and, and just having a really good communication with, uh, with officials and finding out what, what, they, what their expectations are of the playing group. And, and that's something we'll endeavour to continue to do. How does it work in the NBL? We, you know, here in the AFL that there's this sort of regular contact with the, the umpiring department. The umpires over the preseason come down and umpire some games and really take the players through new interpretations and things like that. How does it work in the NBL? Yeah, not too dissimilar. During the preseason, we'll obviously have access to the the, uh, the referees. They come out and do our preseason games, and uh, it's a good opportunity to sort of. Know, get their opinions on, on where the, you know, the points of focus are going to be for the year. The head of official Scott Butler is uh, in regular contact with all of the coaches on, on a weekly basis. He issues his, his weekly newsletter, um, say you know, explaining what are the points of emphasis that they're 
they're looking at this week, what they were happy with uh, the previous week with the officials and, and what needs work and, and, you know, and how can we help. So uh, it, it's, it's probably fairly similar to what the AFL um, do. Uh, I think you probably find that it's similar across most sports. And just before I let you go, Simon, we know uh, the South East Melbourne Phoenix have got some pretty famous basketballers in their ownership group. Are you about to have a, a very famous tennis player by the name of Nick Kyrgios join the ownership group as well? That's what Twitter's telling me. Um, <laughs> oh, look, uh, <laughs> to be frank, we did, we've been on the road for two weeks and and uh, I'm not a huge social media guy and, and I haven't caught up on any of the news other than a and a quick glimpse of uh, some rumour that came out last night. So not across it. Um, I'm sure if that's the case, then the club will release that in their own their own time. But, uh, yeah, kind of more focused on uh, happenings on the floor at this point of the season. <laughs> well, if it is, Nick, you can tell him maybe he can give you a home court back for a couple of weeks and maybe move the tennis somewhere else. Yeah, I just on my forehand anyway. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, any tips I can get if, uh, if it's the case. Uh, we'll find out uh, more later today, I suspect, uh, Simon. Hey, thanks so much for your time. It's a big week uh, coming up. The Bullets, the Jack Jumpers, and finishing with the Wildcats uh, on Sunday week. Uh, good luck. I appreciate that, Julian. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to the show, Julian DeStoop with you. So the inaugural Mori Plant Meet, which will be held at Lakeside Stadium on February 23, will see some fantastic athletes in attendance. Not only our best athletes are in this country, but a big, big name in world athletics will be there and discuss that and the meet itself. And just where athletics is in Australia right now is the CEO of Athletics Australia, Peter Bromley. Morning, Peter. Good morning, how are you? Very well, I uh, hope you're well as well. I'll let you do the announcement for those that haven't seen it. Uh, who is this world star of athletics that will be at the Murray Plant meet on February 23? His name is Fred Curley. Fred he's a pretty is, big uh, name. The, it is a big nickname because he's the reigning world 100 metre champion. He's the silver medalist in the 200 metres from Tokyo. He's won um, the Diamond League, which is a, one of the two big meets in, in, in athletics twice. And he's run 9.76 seconds for 100 metres, which is pretty impressive. And uh, under 20 seconds for the 200 metres. So he's the sixth fastest man in history to run 100 metres. Fantastic get uh, for the meet. Um, just take us through, uh, when, you, when you secure a big name like Fred, How when did you first discuss it with him? Uh, and why is he so keen? I don't think he's been to Australia before. Why is he so keen to come and, and compete in this event? Well, I think it's one of the things that we started talking to Fred a few few months ago uh, through some of our, our people, and it's been one of those things. Australia's now on the map with athletics. You know, we've, we've started to have a resurgence ourselves, but our Com Games success last year and World Championship success last year certainly made people pay attention um, with the Commonwealth Games, although Fred's an American in 2026. But now with the Olympics coming through in 2032, Australia seems to be now focused for a lot of the athletes uh, they'll use Melbourne potentially as a, a sounding and training base. So I think there's a lot of appeal to come and see what's going on. It's probably, I'd say it's one of the early steps for us to see a lot of great athletes coming to this country over the next three to five, ten years. Which is fantastic. We want to see the best uh, on our shore. So he'll run in the Peter Norman Memorial uh, 200 metres where he'll come up against uh, our great sprinter here uh, in Rowan Browning. And uh, he's not short of confidence, Rowan. I reckon he, he'll think he can knock Fred off. 
Yeah, Rowan's, that's one of the things being a sprinter. You've got to have plenty of confidence. Yes. And it is very brief. It's very short, but you've got less than 20 seconds in the 200 metres. I think it's a really good good opportunity to sort of bring the, the two together. You know, Fred, Fred's probably a little bit better over 100. He's coming out of a winter preparation, so it's his first race on the track outside for the for the current year. Uh, Rowan will have had a couple of, a couple of races already. So, look, you know, you can always keep, your, keep, keep the focus, but you've got to be there on that night, the 23rd of February, because I think it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be fantastic. Also, in that race, a World Under-20 Championship medalist, Caleb Law, and Australian 200-metre champion, uh, Aidan Murphy. So that'll be a great race. Just take us through some of the other big names that will be competing at the meet. So we'll have pretty much a lot of our, our big names in terms of our middle distance runners like uh, uh, so that, those guys in, in terms of Stuart McSween and people like that. Lot, we hope to have a lot of our, our, our track and field um, uh, athletes such as um, Kelsey Lee Barber and some of our high jumpers like Eleanor Patterson. So I think uh, we're talking to some of them now about making sure we've got the right event on for them during that, 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 that event. But uh, everybody's keen. Murray Plant was a pretty important part yeah. of our, our sport and a lot of people really recognise that. So to just come and compete and do that. Our athletes have to compete this domestic season. They help the helps and qualify for the World Championships in Budapest in August. So uh, we're pretty confident we'll have a lot of our best names in the country at the meet on, on that, that Thursday night. Talking to Athletics Australia CEO Peter Bromley about the Murray Plant meet. It's in Melbourne on February 23 at Lakeside Stadium. Fred Curly, the big name of sprinting. Uh, he's going to be there, 100 metre world champion and silver medalist uh, from the Tokyo Olympic Games. You mentioned that uh, athletics had a bit of a resurgence. Uh, we had some great results, of course, in Tokyo and at the Commonwealth Games last year. Just how strong is the sport at the elite level right now? And I guess is that is that filtering down to the lower levels as well? Yeah, I think, it's, look, I think we've, we've been really... I think coming out of Tokyo, having that extra preparation, believe it or not, having five years coming into Tokyo yeah. because of the delayed Olympics has given us a stronger base. Um, very proud of our our, our, our field uh, women. They were ranked twice, uh, second in the world last year behind the US. To think about that, to be the second best country in the world for our field events, for, for our women against the US and any other country is fantastic. Uh, our middle distance is certainly showing some promise across both men's and women's. You look at people like Ollie Hall in the 1,500 metres in, in, in Birmingham last year. He won the gold medal, beat the reigning world champion there. Um, Stewie McSween, again, fantastic. These guys are all, and ladies are going to be up uh, this weekend probably at, um, at, Bath, at, at Canberra for the trials for the World Cross Country, which is in Bathurst, also in February. So there's a lot happening and there's a lot of focus, we said earlier, on, on the focus for Australia here now from around the world. How's um we had her on uh, this is your journey last year uh, Genevieve Gregson how how's she going so we know she had the Achilles she had her first child and she's really switched her focus she wants to run uh, in marathons now do we know how Genevieve's going she's recovered from that Achilles now and um, obviously had the first child as well any update on how Genevieve's going well funny enough Genevieve's going to compete on Sunday morning in Canberra in the trial for the World Cross Country wow. so she's put her name now. And so um, I think uh, I'm, I'm was really pleased to see her name there, and that's 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 the trial for the uh, for the World Cross Country, which is only as I said another four or five weeks later in Bathurst in the 25th, uh, 18th, 18th of February. She, she's uh, she's made some good progress then. I mean that uh, Achilles injury is so serious, and then off the back of you know having a first child and what that does to a female's body. So she's obviously tracking really well. Yeah. So I, you know, look, I think this will be an interesting hit out for her, and so. Um, uh, we, we picked six people in, in the, both in the men's and women's um, 10,000 metre team. So she's got a good chance. 
and, and the first three across the line, automatic, and then we've got uh, three others weighed in. So I'm sure she'll put on a good performance. You mentioned the middle distance running, and there's been a you know a bit of a resurgence in in both the men and the women. We're producing some world class athletes now. You mentioned Ollie Hall's performance at the Commonwealth Games uh, last year, which was an extraordinary performance. Is there a reason behind why we're suddenly producing these very strong middle distance athletes? Is it just a a bit of a cycle where we've got some elite talents coming through? Is it is it coaching? Can we put any a finger on why all of a sudden, or over the last few years, we've developed some really good middle distance runners? It comes back to a lot to the coaching and a lot of it comes back to coaching. It comes back to the belief. Um, we've been very fortunate. We were just recognised as the best high performance uh, program by the Australian Institute of Sport at the end of last year. And that goes back to a lot of the coaching we're doing and the support we're doing behind the scenes to really prepare these athletes. And I think the other difference is we, a lot of our athletes now turn up to win. And I think that's, they've got a confidence. They've seen that it can happen. And we're, we're actually competitive on the world stage. And it seems, that, and so that's, that's translating through, but definitely the coaching Definitely the support we put in it and the fact that we got this recognition late last year that we were the best high-performance program in Australia for 2022 recognised by the Australian Institute of Sport is a really good accolade to our team from high-performance. And that's translating as yeah, absolutely. Uh, so over $200,000 of prize money uh, will be on offer at the Murray Plant Meet. There's significant world ranking points on offer as well. I'm sure plenty of our listeners will be keen to get along. What's the best way for them to secure a ticket? They can get a ticket through Ticketet. It's online there. They can do that. And uh, we'd love to see everybody there. There's a family There's family passes and so forth. And so they can really ticket. That. So it starts at $65 for a family. Adults are $30. And there's concessions there down to $15. So it's very affordable. Ticketet's got it on sale now. So, look, uh, we'd love to see a lot of people there, particularly not only just to cheer on Rowan and, 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 and the others, but also to just cheer on uh, all our athletes and uh, to welcome Fred. And I'm sure that sort of encouragement will bring a lot more of our athletes to Australia over the next couple of years. And obviously with the Com Games in Melbourne or in regional Victoria in 2026, this will be the start of lots of things to come. Absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for your time, uh, Peter. Good luck with the event. I don't think you'll need luck with it. It's going to be a great event. Fred Curley there, all our best uh, athletes, and, and there's many world-class ones amongst them. Uh, good luck and thanks for your time this morning. Uh, Peter Bromley uh, from uh, Athletics Australia, their CEO, joining us uh, this morning. Christian Welsh and Ryan Harris will join us on our McCafe menu after 11 o'clock. This is mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel in stock now. Red Energy, owned by Snowy Hydro, committed to Australia's renewable future for future generations. The SEN app. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech drive the Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEN. Welcome back to Summer Mornings. Uh, Julian Destoop with you. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. Slightly overcast day here in Melbourne. Meant to be sunny this afternoon for a top of 27 degrees. Oz Open qualifiers underway down at Melbourne Park. Uh, just about to get underway at Kuyong as well. Alexi Popperin uh, taking on Taylor Fritz. But uh, Christian Welsh, he's one of our favourites on the run home. Melbourne Storm captain. He's on his way back from a serious Achilles injury. Also does some fantastic things uh, off the field. And one of those, he's an ambassador for Camp Quality, which supports kids facing cancer. 
It's really heartbreaking that two Aussie families per day are given the heartbreaking news that a child has cancer. Uh, Their programs uh, focus on children uh, up to the ages of 15 who are dealing with their own diagnosis or the diagnosis of someone they love, like a brother, sister, mum or dad. So tomorrow... Nearly the entire Melbourne Storm list will shave their head. They're aiming to raise at least $15,000 for camp quality by doing so. And pleased to say that the Melbourne Storm captain, uh, Christian Welsh, joins us this morning. Thanks for your time, Christian. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, we're on uh, tomorrow, actually, we're going to be shaving. We've, I think we've got 21 players out of our, our top 30 who've committed to shaving their heads and raising uh, money for camp quality to... They're an amazing charity who, who help kids and families, you know, facing a cancer diagnosis. Um, so obviously it's, uh, they do amazing work. And I think we've got over 12,000 raised at the moment. So every dollar goes a long way. So yeah, anyone listening would, would love if you could donate. Um, you know, it's an amazing charity that, um, you know, put, puts the fun back into, you know, kids who should be having normal childhoods when they, you know, they spend a lot of their time now in hospital wards and, and getting chemo treatments. So, uh, you know, it, it goes a long way, the money uh, getting raised. And you've been an ambassador for Camp Quality. Just take us through, I mean, you would have seen some, I guess, some really great stories as part of that role and some and some really sad stories as well. Yeah, it kind of all started in 2017 when I did my first ACL, probably my, you know, my first major uh, injury, and I was walking into Epworth Hospital in Richmond there, and I was kind of kicking stones, thinking how bad I've got it. And then, um, you know, you just start seeing people, you know, with permanent disabilities and lifelong illnesses and uh, it kind of just made me want to, I suppose, do a bit more and, you know, obviously rugby league delivers a lot of joy to, to a lot of people in, in Australia. So um, kind of, yeah, sent an email out and then got the ball rolling and we've been trying to, I suppose, raise some much-needed funds for, for their core, uh, I suppose, activities that Camp Quality like to do, like putting on camps for sick kids and families to give them a bit of uh, respite and then also hospital services and then, uh, and same time, also, I suppose, delivering some uh, opportunities for some kids who, who are doing it really tough, uh, you know, with a cancer diagnosis, to come in and meet the boys and, and get along to a game. So uh, I suppose it's been a bit two-pronged. But, yeah, I really love uh, working with Camp Quality. They're an amazing charity, and, yeah, I can't speak more highly of them. Yeah, you raised just over 12000 at the moment. You're aiming for fifteen. I reckon we can do uh, better than that. So of all the – I mean, you've got lovely locks yourself. We know the boys are more than happy to do it for charity, but a lot of boys sort of love their hair. Who will be the most reluctant to lose all the locks tomorrow? Oh, we, we kind of bullied Xavier Coates. He was one of our last ones. He's a young pup, but, yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of hairline talk at the moment, but we're all uh, banding together. And, um, yeah, it's going to – our poor marketing manager, um, you know, we've actually got all our headshots and, uh, you know, promoting the corporate partners of the storm next week and we're all going to be looking pretty rough I reckon with some of the skinheads getting around but uh, it's it's going to an amazing cause and uh, yeah as you said we've got 12,000 we're aiming for 15 so hopefully we can get there uh, by tomorrow when we start shaving. We know Ryan Pappenhausen's overseas at the moment was that we know he's working with Bill Knowles trying to get that knee right but uh, was that part of the reason he got out so he didn't have to shave those locks? <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, we're, we're applying for extradition. We're trying to bring him back and get him in there and shave that mullet. But I think it's, uh, it's yeah, I think it's his brand now. Old Pappy's uh, quite iconic with that big mullet. So we might have to do a bit of a, uh, a bigger fundraiser just for him to get it shaved. How's he going? We heard with him. He was on the on breakfast this morning with Simon O'Donnell and, and Sam Edmund. We know he's over there with Bill Knowles, who's done some great things. How's he been throughout this recovery? Because it's it's a tough injury and it's a, it's a pretty slow recovery. Yeah, Pat's had he's had a tough year, and, he, and he's had some serious injuries in the past. So um, this one's been really tough. I think 
uh, you know, obviously physically and mentally. Um, you know, obviously he's won a premiership, Clive Churchill medalist, but I, I think there's bigger rep honours ahead of him, um, you know, playing Origin and playing for Australia. I think he's been so close to, to getting those games and he's a phenomenal player. And I just think, yeah, it's, it's been a really tough year. And I think this trip to Philadelphia to work with, um, you know, the, the, the guru, I guess, in that department, I think we really refresh him and recharge him. Uh, and hopefully he'll come back and uh, set up for a big 2023 because he's so important to our team. You know, particularly those spine players, um, they're so important. Just as importantly, how are you going? Obviously, 2022 wasn't the year you wanted, the, the, the serious Achilles injury. How's the pre-season been and where are you at with your body? Yeah, no, pre-season's been good. Yeah, working back from the Achilles, which was really disappointing. But, um, yeah, I did that injury around one. So, um, yeah, now working back, I'm almost back into full skills and just really enjoying, you know, just the little things now, just going out there and, and training with the guys and being around the crew because when you're uh, in that long-term Injury, uh, you know, a lot of it's spent rehab in the gym with the physio or all by itself. So, just nice to be around the around the squad again and, and building towards hopefully a big year. So, is round one your aim? Is that realistic? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, definitely aim for round one. It's um, against the Eels. It's actually the first game of the NRL season on, on a Thursday. So, uh, yeah, really excited to hopefully uh, build towards that. Has the annual torture camp been had this year? Is that coming up? Now the torture, torture camp's happened. It's uh, it's a little Christmas present actually. It's kind of two days before we go on to leave. Um, so I think we had about sixteen guys go this year, and it's only for the first year. So once you're you're one and done generally, unless we have a really bad season, then Delta sends us all. Um, so luckily we for a few years we haven't uh, haven't had that. So yeah, it was really tough I think for the boys. It was three days. Um, it's actually the same company that that runs Infamous. Um, yeah, the Adelaide Crows oh, camp. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, so it's pretty tough on the boys, but uh, it's really good for them. Have you guys got a camp coming up in Geelong, though? Do you head down there? Yeah, so we've been going to Geelong Grammar um, for about a two-week block. We're staying in the boarding houses. and um, Yeah, it's a really important part of our pre-season, just um, knuckling down and, and obviously getting a lot of training load, but also doing, I suppose, a bit of the culture stuff and, and what we want to achieve for the year at night and... Um, it's good. We've got Joel Selwood who's just come on board um, as a bit of a leadership guru. So hopefully he'll, the mayor of Geelong will be able to show us uh, some of the good restaurants and maybe get us on a few of those good golf courses. Um, <laughs> but yeah, really excited to have him working amongst uh, you know our group. And because we had a bit of turnover with our, our leadership group, I think uh, he's going to be a really important guy uh, for us this year. How have you found working with Joel so far? Yeah, he's great. He's uh, a really humble guy. You wouldn't you wouldn't know he's probably the greatest you know modern AFL. Uh, captain history. Um, he just comes in and he's all, you know, he, he doesn't know a whole lot about rugby league, but he knows a lot about high performing and, and sports and he's really bought into to, to our club and we're really excited to have him. Just finally, I, I'm pretty sure Craig shaved his head for charity a few years back. Did you ask the question this time? Yeah, I think the old boy is worried. He doesn't have too many haircuts left either. <laughs> uh, but I said to him, mate, we, there's 21 of us shaving our heads. Surely you jump in. But he's, he's refused at the moment. So maybe we get a little campaign going on SEN. Bells will throw the shave. It would be appreciated. Come on, Craig. Get it done. Get it done. Hey, Christian, well done. It's a great thing that you're doing. Camp Quality does some great work. And uh, well done to you and all the boys uh, that are shaving their head. And uh, let's raise as much money as we can. Thanks for your time this morning. No worries. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. He's a good man, Christian Welsh. If you want to get involved in the fundraising, so they've raised $12,521 at the moment. Their goal is 15000 Surely you can get that up to 20000 They shave their heads tomorrow morning. Go to fundraise.com. 
campquality.org.au and search Melbourne Storm Shay for Kids if you want to raise some money from Camp Quality, which Christian Welsh is an ambassador. Now, as mentioned in that interview, Ryan Pappenhausen, uh, star fullback, is in Philadelphia at the moment, uh, working with Bill Knowles, uh, renowned uh, for rehabilitation from serious uh, injuries. And uh, he spoke with the new voice of Rugby League, Sam Edmund, uh, on breakfast this morning. And uh, he just spoke about all-encompassing chat about what he's doing over there with Bill and how he's feeling. But uh, he also touched on probably the most valuable lesson he's learnt from Bill Knowles so far. The thing that really resonated with me was um, the fact that I want to come back and perform, not just come back. Uh, and I think that's what he's really highlighted is you'll come back, no doubt about it. But there's a difference between coming back and there's a difference between coming back and performing. So mm. um, I think we just sort of cleared out a way of figuring that out um, and not being pressured by outside noise, um, just sort of sticking true to that reconditioning process. And, and once I got that down pat and once I'm confident, once I'm getting reps in, then yeah, I, sh- I should be ready to go. So I think it was just changing that whole mentality. I, you sort of always have in mind on the first question, question someone asks is yeah. when are you going to be back? Yeah. But I think the way to frame it is when am I going to be back performing? And that's my mentality at the moment. So that was Ryan Pappenhausen and what he's learnt from Bill Knowles. And the big question is, and I'm sure he's been asked it all the time, is actually when he will return to the field for the Storm in 2023. It's funny. He asked me this question when we walked in there. He said, when do you expect to be back? And <laughs> I've been pretty strong with it the whole time, really. I just said, um, like, this is not without being cheesy or whatever. But I said, I like, I haven't really thought about the date. I've just purely, I know I'll come back, but I want to come back when I'm right. And then he sort of, that's when that conversation started. And he said, all right, well, that's that's a good way to think of it because, you might get cleared by your medics or whatnot, but have you done the training? Um, you don't want to sort of go into a season, not have done a pre-season. So he's like, we have to think about those sort of things as well. So um, I, I really don't have a date in mind. I think it's more just, um, yeah, getting it back to a, a level where I feel like I can perform well again. And uh, once we're there, uh, whenever that may be, then, then we'll start looking at, at dates. That was Ryan Pappenhausen on Breakfast this morning. Uh, great chat with Sam Edmund. Uh, if you want to have a listen, uh, go to the podcast page at sen.com.au. Plenty of cricket coming up here on mornings. Uh, former Australian fast bowler Ryan Harris will join us. After the break, uh, during the news there, Sam Thompson, our boss, was walking around this strapping young man and Benny Lyon, that guy, he's got a familiar face. Who is that? Well, it's former New Zealand cricketer Mitch McLenahan. He's going to jump into the studio. He's doing some work uh, with the Melbourne Stars at the moment. We'll have a chat to Mitch uh, after the break. This is mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel. It's in stock now. Bunnings has what you need to get organised for the year ahead. Shop great value on a wide range of storage solutions for your space. Online or... Start your weekend off with a laugh. Off the bench with Hutchie and Pickers. Every Saturday morning from 9 on 11.16 SEM. Tomorrow's car is in stock today. Tech driver Hyundai Tucson turbo diesel all-wheel drive. Mornings on SEM. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoot with you. As we mentioned before the break, our boss Sam Thompson was just wandering around with this strapping young man and Ben and I went, that's a familiar face and it's Mitch McClenahan. 
Doesn't work for SENZ, of course, over in New Zealand, a former New Zealand international cricketer, and is here just shadowing the Melbourne Stars. Hello, Mitch. Yeah, good. What, How are you? Good. What brings you, apart from the star, is that what brings you to town? Yeah, it is, mate. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, pretty fizzed up, actually. Um, trying to, uh, well, I got once got told when you're too too fat to play, coach. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm over here trying to. pretty try fit and... to me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I'm wearing a baggy jumper. You know, yeah, and a black jumper. Yeah, yeah, a black jumper as well, mate. Yeah, you know the tricks. Yeah, oh, yeah, there definitely. we go. There we go. I've used all those tricks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. So I'm just here shadowing and just getting some experience off Dave and, and Clint McKay and Ben Raw. So it's been awesome so far. First training session yesterday. Boys are actually looking really good. Really good, actually. Did you have any link to the Melbourne Stars? Obviously, Trent Bolt's been playing for yeah, them. Yeah, Bolby's been there. Any other links? Um, Clint McKay and Ben Raw I played with at the Sydney Thunder about four years ago. Yeah. So linked up with them and, and um, just flicked uh, Benny a text and, and Dave was happy for them to come and be around and just shadow. So just get the experience, mate. Uh, dip the toes into it. Uh, hopefully maybe their career, a career down the path. So have you done any coaching so far? Uh, well, me in personally. Your, in your career, yeah. Uh, I think as a, as a senior player, like I'm 36, almost 37 now, as a senior player, as you go through the grades and all the other tournaments, you, you end up being another coach at, at some point because players sometimes don't go to the, go to the coaches all the time. They come to senior players. So in terms of like the skills of being able to communicate to players about what needs to happen, yeah, I've had some experience in that, but not the coaching side. And I think that's the thing, mate. I think it's a big difference from playing mm. to coaching. I, I kind of want to see what it's about on the other side of the fence. So uh, how do you look back on your international career? 48 ODIs for New Zealand. Yep. Best figures on debut in yep. ODI cricket for New Zealand. You've played... Indian Premier League, you've played BBL, as you mentioned, you've played in Afghanistan. How do you look back at your journey in cricket? It's a, it's a really interesting one. Uh, yeah, journey's been pretty crazy, actually. Um, NZ kind of burst onto the scene um, and could do no wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, cause without blowing the old trumpet, I think uh, was second fastest to 50 wickets all time in ODI cricket. Um, and from that point, I, I guess it's one of those things, it's... You think everything's going to be real easy, <laughs> and then it gets bloody hard. <laughs> and for me, it was uh, coming from from nothing. Like my first tour, Shane Bond had to take me in South Africa to take me to sports shop um, to buy a second <laughs> pair of shoes because um, I was taping up some shoes that I cut like a sandal at the front because they were a size too small. So I was putting that brown tape around to keep my foot <laughs> yes. in place <laughs> without the toes falling out the front. So it's uh, once I got a little bit of money, um, then I ate too much and got fat. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the challenge of trying to come back after putting on some weight and still perform was was uh, a different experience. But um, then I found found some skills that needed with New Zealand cricket to to be able to be a death bowler, and and then that kind of flowed into T Twenty cricket and the opportunity to go on the circuit. I know that's a scary word and mm. cricket around the world at the moment. Um, came up and I wasn't going to have a huge future with New Zealand cricket in a longer format of the game. Uh, so went on the circuit and played a bit of T20 cricket around the world, which is awesome. You mentioned going on the circuit there and, and Trent Bolt's going to do a, a similar thing. Mm. And um, so just on that, and also he made some really interesting comments about New Zealand cricket a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, it's a really good time for New Zealand cricket at the moment, but, you know, don't expect it to last forever. You know, 90% of young men in, in New Zealand want to be an all black. There's yep. not that many cricketers to choose from. So... What is the situation with New Zealand cricket as a whole? And you know, I know the test team's going well, they've had good record in short form, but as a whole, how is New Zealand cricket travelling? Well, I think it's a pretty scary time, like, like you touched on, and, and it sounds like Bolte's touched on it as well. Um, I think you've got a, a great period of players who come through, your Kane Williamson's, your Southies, your Ross Taylor's, Bolte, all at the same time, mm. right? All, mm. all very, very good players, and, and our, our team's ageing at the moment, and, and 
what what and from what I've seen, I, I, they with their domestic cricket, you guys did a bit over here as well. Is they went for youth and got rid of a lot of the older guys. Yep. Um, so you lost a lot of those tools, those teaching tools, um, and to play some hard cricket. And I feel like the the time, the gap between domestic cricket in New Zealand now is a lot bigger than it, it was a few years ago. So it's from that point of uh, point of view, I guess it's going to be a little bit tougher for New Zealand cricket in, in years to come. There's no one coming through who like really stands out to me. There's a couple of guys with some promise, but nothing like exceptional like your Kane Williams is a, once in a generational mm. player when you talk about Kane. But no real Southies, no real bolts coming through at the minute. Lockie Ferguson's class. Ever seen him bowl? He, he's class. Yep. But outside of that, there's not too much coming through at the minute. Where, where do you think it leaves Test cricket in the future? Mm. It's, it's much debated about. There's only a few really good teams at the moment, you know, and, and we're seeing what, uh, you know, Bolt is doing. Yep. How many players do you think will follow in those footsteps, say, the next five years where it's like, I can play a lot of cricket, I can make a lot of money, yep. and I don't have to play test cricket? Um, in New Zealand at the minute, to get a contract, everything's heavily weighted in, in the favour of, of playing the long form of the game. So they get double weighting in terms okay. of their ranking points. So if you want to start out as a cricketer, you've basically got to sell the dream to the coaches and the selectors that you want to play four-day cricket. So there's still it's still the pinnacle at the moment in New Zealand. Um, but I think that's because we don't have the exposure of a really strong T20 comp um, individually, like within New Zealand, we don't have a big bash where guys can pick, get picked up like Cam Green for three and a half million dollars <laughs> out, out of domestic cricket. You know, they don't have that opportunity. So, in, international cricket is where you have to be able to prove your worth, and then it comes down to how guys deal with uh, getting offers from those teams. And look, it looks pretty scary in terms of international cricket at the minute. Those franchises, they're just going to keep on growing. Um, which is going to go more that football model, right? And so something's going to have to give. I think Test cricket, it's either out of Test cricket or one-day cricket, isn't it? Uh, who's who's yep. going to stick around? T20 internationals are probably still going to be there just for the entertainment. You mentioned Cam Green there. So are you suggesting your contract for the IPL wasn't quite as fat as, <laughs> fat as three mean bucks? <laughs> Absolutely not, mate. He plays a couple of games. He makes more than me yeah, <laughs> after six years. <laughs> isn't it unbelievable? What's it like playing in that competition? I mean, it is. Awesome. It's just Watching it through the TV, it's, yeah. it seems like the atmosphere is amazing. Yeah. The money's amazing. What's it like? Um, it's different gravy, mate. It's honestly different gravy. I, I remember uh, I got there and um, Corey Anderson's walking down the down the trace at uh, Wonkety Stadium in Mumbai, and I see him put his arm around um, Sachin Tendulkar, and the whole stadium's uh, whole stadium saying, oh, chanting Sachin Tendulkar, yeah. going Tendulkar or Sachin, Sachin, that kind of chant." And I asked him, I said, "What do you say to Tendulkar when you're walking down there?" He goes. Corey goes, I turned to Tendulkar and he said, God, they love me here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, how good is that? Yeah, That's bloody awesome. But, mate, they are, they're fanatical fans. Um, just crowd the buses, crowd everything. Um, I remember playing the IPL final. It was 90,000 at um, Eden Gardens. Uh, we ended up winning that, beating, beating Chennai. Unbelievable. And I got on the plane and, and – um, we went to a one-day tour uh, getting ready for actually a, a series against England. And we were at Leicester. And, oh, mate, I've never felt so sore in a game of cricket ever. <laughs> All the adrenaline had just yep. been sucked out of my body. We're at Leicester and you're getting the little golf claps. <laughs> little golf claps. Yeah, well bowled. <laughs> yeah, well bowled. And, and, you know, the tea and scones at half time. And, yeah, mate, it was, it's just bizarre. It kind of it took the enjoyment out of um, some of the other cricket that I was playing because and playing in such big crowds. Um, it's a different experience and a different adrenaline, a different high. 
Speaking to former New Zealand international Mitch McLenahan, he's here just shadowing the Melbourne Stars. They're trying to get a coaching career uh, underway. He's played in uh, Karachi as well. You know, mm. we mentioned Sydney, we mentioned Afghanistan, obviously uh, for the Mumbai Indians. Where's been your favourite place to play cricket? Uh, well, my favourite ground in the world is a small ground called Pukakura Park in New Plymouth. Okay. Um, so yeah. if you ever get a chance to, to look up that ground, it's where uh, the last Samurai was, was filmed. Um, and ah, it's a terrace-based yes. ground, very small ground, small square, terrible place for a bowl. I, I don't know say, why, why I love do it, like so it so much. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just a picturesque ground, um, absolutely stunning, mate. Beautiful place to watch and play cricket. Um, outside of that, probably probably Wonkedi, mm-hmm. uh, just because like the chance to go around the ground, everyone's so close. It's a smaller ground, um, but just the environment, mate. That kind of stuff you just live for. Now, what is Baz McCullum doing? England were at their lowest ebb. We're getting ready for an Ashes next year. We're going, you beauty. We're going to go over there and flog them mm. for the first time since 2001. He's totally transformed that cricket team. It's unbelievable what he's doing with it. Yeah, it's been pretty special, eh? It really has been. And I think the positive thing is that he's been able to, as a coach, to come in, he's been able to choose his skipper. And he's seen some values in Ben Stokes that um, really align with his mm-hmm. own values and how he wants to see the game. And I think he's probably been surprised by how many of the same values that they have, yeah. uh, which has made the bond even stronger. Um, he's, it looks like from the outside, he's just trying to make everything fun. Mm, mate. That's he's right. trying to, and how long does that last? Like, um, you don't know, I guess. Um, you know, but Baz, I know Baz. He's super positive, mate. He's he's mm. one of the most positive blokes around cricket and 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 working environments that I've met. So I, I'd imagine that's going to continue. I can't see him like really laying out the law. Mind you, when he needs to, he's very, very firm. Like if guys are starting to slack off, you'll know. So I think he still has that really nice balance. The the challenge will be, and, and it's the way I love watching Australia play play their test cricket, the challenge is going to be in a five-match test series yep. um, against the likes of Australia, where Australia win the toss, bat for a day and a half, mm. keep Jimmy Anderson in the field for a day, two. They might even try bat two days. Yep. Keep him in the field for two days. Then with the rate England score... With the bat, Jimmy Anderson's only going to get a day, half a day True. rest. Yeah. So, what kind of effect is that going to have on those Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson, and a five-match mm. Test series? Those last that when it comes down to the crunch, that fourth and fifth Test match, um, are they going to have that rest that they would mm. have usually had when England was still batting for a day and a half, two days, those two nights extra rest to recover? Um, how much of an impact is that going to have? Um, in, a, in a big series because, you know, that's as a bowler, you, you yeah. love those days. You need to try to get two sleeps yeah. or you need to have your feet up, not worrying about coming out and bat. Oh, yeah, your team's on 350, 400, but you've only been at, yeah, have, off your feet for two quickly. sessions. Yeah. And it's five tests in a pretty yeah. short amount of time. You mentioned Shane Bond before. Yeah. He could have been one of the great bowlers if it wasn't for injury. What, what's he up to these days? Shane Bond, um, he's he's the, he's he was a New Zealand bowling coach when when I was there, um, and he's basically part of the furniture at Mumbai Indians now. Okay, he's yep. um, the UAE league, uh, UAE league, which Lenny's about to jet off to. Um, he's he's going to be um, head coach for Mumbai in that one as well. So mate, he's he's turned into the best bowling coach in the world, uh, hands down. No one better, no one better that I've come across. Had so many coaches, so yep. many bowling coaches, most prepared in the world. Um, does all the prep, um, gives you all the little advantages. For someone like myself, he wasn't like an out-and-out like talent. Um, he gave me little advantages going into a game that made me a lot better than I was. Well, Mitch, uh, great to meet you. Uh, enjoy your time with the Melbourne Stars. And if you do become a successful coach, don't coach the Poms. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. <laughs> okay, I promise. <laughs> Good promise. on you, Mitch. Uh, great to meet you. Cheers. Enjoy your time uh, in Melbourne. Let's get the latest now from the newsroom with Vanessa Gibson. The SEN app. Now compatible with Apple Watch. The top of 27 degrees. The UV index today is 11, thanks to SunSmart. And SEN is your home for next week's Australian Open with every night session live on SEN and a dedicated channel all day on the SEN app. Thanks, Vanessa. Let's keep the cricket theme going. The 18-man squad for India was announced yesterday and former Aussie quick Ryan Harris uh, joins us to discuss it and all the issues going on in cricket. G'day, Ryan. Yeah, Joey, nice to speak to you, mate. Yeah, you too, mate. Uh, any surprises yesterday from your point of view with the 18-man squad? Oh, not, no, not really. Oh, I think it's a, it's a, it's a very good, strong squad um, that they've, they've selected. And um, what, I, what I really like about it is there's, there's variety. Um, and I probably talk more, refer to the spinners in that, in that respect. There, they've obviously got, you know, the, obviously Lion, Lion, and, um, and, and Swepson, who have probably been the last sort of frontline spinners, but obviously chucking in. You know, young Todd Murphy in there and, and Ashton Agar, um, it gives them a good variety uh, of, of spin. So, um, you know, whether I'm, I'm going to be, you know, obviously watching very closely on what sort of wickets they're going to be getting uh, over there, whether they're going to be uh, absolute turners or, or they might have some pace in. So if they, if, if they are turners, um, and just reading through what Pat Cummins said, there's, they're going to be open-minded with what they do. So we might see two or three spinners playing um, so they've got that opportunity to do that with the, with what they've uh, selected. It sounds like Nugpaw for the first test will, will take quite a lot of turns. So mm. it, assuming all the spinners are fit, uh, which way do you think we go for that first test? Oh, look, if, if it is an absolute turner, um, you're probably going to play, I don't know, two, two, probably two quick. We need Cameron Green to be fit, to be yeah. honest. Um, that, that gives you the, the better option. I think it's... The makeup of the, the test in Sydney showed, um, you know, that they're, that they're thinking about, you know, well, they're thinking about India and what they what they can do. Two quicks is probably not not enough. Um, I think they were a bowl of short there. So whether that third that third bowler is, a, is 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 another spinner, so three spinners and two quicks, or you know, and, and you know, with three spinners and, and a quick and, and an all rounder probably is what what the makeup will be. But having Cameron Green bat in that top six, it allows you to probably pay that play that extra quick if they need it. So two two quicks and three spinners. So who knows? It's it's but but again, um, with this squad, it gives it gives that variety and gives that opportunity to to to, to, uh, to, to sort of tinker with it a bit and, and and probably do something that we probably haven't done a lot over in the last few times we've been over to India. Yeah, it's a fascinating uh, situation. Mitch Stark obviously out of the first test, which is a big blow, particularly with his ability to reverse swing over there. As a fast bowler playing in India, do you look forward to playing in India or do you, you just know uh, going over there on the majority of their wickets? And it sounds, Simon O'Donnell said this morning, you know, Dally might not be too bad for the quicks. You just know it's going to be hard work. Yeah, I, I, I never played test cricket over there, unfortunately. I played a lot of white ball stuff over there, but... Um... I oh, mean, you definitely, you definitely look forward to it. Um, there's no doubt. I mean, playing cricket in India is good fun, and it's it's a buzz, and you know the the support that you get, uh, you know, is amazing. Um, and, and I think with that, yeah, yeah obviously they they can be pretty flat, but when they, when they sort of get that flat, I guess reverse swing comes into it, and that's the that's the good part about it. I used to love bowling an older ball mm. uh, and reverse swinging it. So. Um, yeah, look, it's it's always good fun. You you, you always see it as a challenge. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm not sure what time of year it is. The temperatures now over there sometimes it can be stinking hot, but that's that's playing a, a summer sport, and we get used to that. But it's always a challenge, you know. I know over there, talking to a lot of guys that have been over there, it's it's hard. It's it's 
you know, um, yeah, you know, you get on these slate wickets and it can be grind. You got to grind, but I mean, that's that's Test cricket. Test cricket's hard and it's supposed to be. So, um, well, you know, as you mentioned, there's Mitchell Stark's only a big loss, but what they have got as well, um, with you know, they've got airspeed and they've got Lance Morris there. So, you know, him him over there on those wickets, uh, bowling quick, um, reversing it and, and and hitting the wicket, you know, with the up and down on the wicket, that's gonna that's gonna um, you know be a, a massive asset for the for the, for the Australian squad. Speaking to former Aussie quick Ryan Harris, uh, how much have you seen of Lance Bowl? Oh, a little bit, not not heaps. I've, I've tried to you know look a little bit online um, with the, the video footage that we get, but you know, you don't. I don't think you can. You get a true read of a bowler until you see him in the flesh. I saw him probably. I saw him in, in the Sheffield Shield here in Brisbane uh, just before Christmas. And I, you know, that was probably the first time I'd seen him live and in full flight. And um, you know, he's quick. <laughs> I, I love. He's got a beautiful, you know, approach to, to the wicket and, and everything about fast. We, we we look for in fast bowls and and we teach. He's got a lot of those attributes. And uh, you know, even talking to the guys, we played them back to back. Queensland played them back to back. And talking to the guys coming back from Perth before that, Sheffield Shield here in, the, in Brisbane, uh, they they said, you know, facing him, he's he hits the bat real hard and he's gen, genuinely quick. So it's great to see that. And again, because um, we, we it, 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 fast bowlers bowling 140 plus don't grow on trees. So when we get them, we've got to look after them and, and, and obviously use them well when we when they get the opportunity. So hopefully he gets an opportunity over in India. Yeah, it's exciting. And just our fast bowling depth at the moment is unbelievable. You know, you've got the, the big three coming, Stark Hazelwood. Boland's record at test level is amazing. Jai Richardson, you've got Michael Nisa, you've got Lance Morris, even Mark Steckity uh, that you would know very yeah. well is a very good bowler that uh, can't get a look in. Just... Just looking at it over the next 12 months, is it still Cummins, Stark and Hazelwood or is Boland right there challenging Hazelwood for that for that final spot in the attack? Oh, I, no, I think that he's definitely challenging. And I, you know, I think we saw that in Melbourne when, um, you know, I mean, the report was that Hazelwood probably wasn't quite 100% ready, but if, if he was fit, you know, to me, they would probably would have, they would have put him straight back in. Um, and I think he probably was fit, but I think the way Scotty Boland's been bowling... Um, yeah, it, the, 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 as you say, the, what what we do need, and and we we need, although we've got obviously a, the captain is a fast bowler, and we've got Stark and Hazelwood who have been those three have been so good for so long, but we still need guys pushing them. Um, not 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 saying that those three will be, you know, that, that they're getting comfortable in that team and and not thinking no one's, you know, no no, no one's coming from behind to to push them out. But we we need to keep a healthy team, a bit like the batters. You you want plenty of batters underneath our top batters you know, scoring runs to, to keep these guys who are in that team you know, working hard. So the more bowlers that we have putting pressure on the guys at the top, that's only going to make it a healthy um, yeah, healthy team. And, and guys um, you know, that, that are in form um, are, going to, are going to push these guys, and that's what we want. So I think, as you mentioned, that the stable of bowlers we, got, we have at the moment um, are outstanding, and, and, it's, and it's only healthy for Australian cricket. And I think where we're sitting at the moment, it's no, no surprise that the guys are playing the way they are. Um, they've obviously got, you know, they've got a really good coaching setup in there as well that um, are supporting them and, and 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 keeping them happy and and doing what they can to, to make sure that this team plays well. And, and there's no surprise at the moment they're sitting number one. Is this team is this squad good enough to win in India? It's such a hard thing to do. We've only done it twice ever in a Test series. Yeah. We were not too far away last time. Is this squad good enough to go over there and beat them? Well, there's no doubt that they are. And, you know, a lot of these guys, I'm just trying off the top of my head how many were in there last time. I think it was, about, I think it was 10. I think it was 10 of the 18. Yeah, well, there you go. So they've, 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 a lot of them have been over there and experienced playing in India and, and what it is and, and, and how hard it is. And, but they've got that experience. So 
there's no doubt that they're good enough. Um, and, and having those experienced guys in there is definitely going to help. And, and I agree with you. I think last time um, that, that they were they were very close, probably the closest they've been in a long time. So let's hope they do. I mean, as you say, it's one of the hardest places to go and play um, and win. Um, and and this, this team's definitely got the, the plays in it um, and, and, again, the experiences. So, um, but yeah, look, let's we'll be watching very closely. Let's hope they, they can uh, break that drought. Before I let you go, Ryan, every time you are on, we get text talking about your delivery to Alistair Cook. Now, when you <laughs> yeah. get a spare moment, do you just whack it on YouTube and have a look? Or how often oh. do you watch it? No, I don't watch it very often. I must admit, every year uh, around my birthday, it, it, people remind me of it, and I keep and I thank them, everyone, for, for doing that. It, <laughs> it's always, it's always not. Again, I'm not a big. Yeah, I don't go back. Like, every now and then, I've got a little boy uh, who's seven. Um, every now and then, I'll pop up somewhere, and he'll ask me a few questions, and I'll show him a couple of things. But I'm not a big fan of doing that. But it, it, yeah, as I said, every year that ball comes up, and it always brings back some nice memories. And, and again. Um, I don't get sick of that because it always, yeah, it's, it's been a long time now. It's been seven years since I've finished, which is absolutely flying. So it's always nice to reminisce, I guess, and, and think back. But that, that's that's the main thing that I get remembered for, I guess, is that ball. And, um, you know, as I said, it's nice to be reminded of every now and then. You should have the commentary as your ringtone on your phone. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't go that far. People have asked me that. You should have the, you should have it on your phone. But no, I don't. Uh, I'm not one for that. I, I I coach a lot of the, the pathways in Brisbane and, and, and also that's another one. Um, they, they remind me a lot of it. They do a bit of research on me and then a couple of team meetings we have, it always seems to pop up on the screen. Someone surprises me. So it's, it's all a bit of a, a bit of a good bit of a joke. But um, yeah, look, it's, it's obviously a nice thing to, to reminisce on. 100%. Uh, Ryan, as always, thanks for your time. Always great to have a chat. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, mate. Ryan Harris, former Australian fast bowler. A bit of news about Nick Kyrgios. We'll bring that to you after the break on mornings for Hyundai Tucson Turbo Diesel in stock now. The struggle if you're on the Monash freeway at the moment in both directions.